Last week, as we spoke about uh, prayer, I let you know right at the beginning of the service, you know, there's no way we're going to cover everything in the aspects of prayer. We're not going to again today. As a matter of fact, we want to look a little bit different as we speak about what God has to say to us today, and it is about Him Himself. And it does help us with our prayer. When we begin to understand God and see Him in the fullness of who He is, it will help me in my prayer life as well, because I need to know Him. We cannot understand them fully. Obviously, God is beyond our comprehension and understanding, and that's why we are called to a relationship of faith, to believe in this amazing God that we cannot physically see, and yet He's tangibly present. We know that He is, and we need to serve Him and know that God is so amazing, and He's invited us into this relationship with Him to have this encounter with this supreme being God who is, and He is, the God of the Bible. There is no way we can cover every aspect of this, but I want to read a scripture to you that is not going to be on your screen. Usually I share those with you, and I did not send this into the tech team. I want you to listen to God's word as he spoke to the prophet Isaiah, and this is what God says to us through the prophet Isaiah. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Just going to pause. Aren't you glad? If God's thoughts were anything like mine and yours, we probably wouldn't be here right now. He would have already got rid of all of us. God speaks to us and he says, I want you to get a glimpse of who I am. And he lets us know right from the get-go here, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Isn't that awesome? God's like, I am so far beyond just this past week, you know, I love the space and the ocean and all the, the incredibleness of our God. And they launched that new telescope. They're getting pictures and all that stuff. And they were getting all those mirrors aligned. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. Just stay with me for a second because they put another, you know, the Hubble's running to the end of its life. So they put another telescope out there and it's taking pictures of the universe. And they were focusing on one star. So they were trying to bring all the mirrors that are needed for the telescope to work into alignment. So it had this picture and then they were showing this picture online and you can look that up later on Google. Don't do it right now. Um, and uh, as you look at that star, there's these little like uh, little objects behind in different angles. And they said, those are galaxies. And like I was counting them, I think on one side, I think I counted 11. I'm just going off my memory. Don't quote me on that. But as I was looking at the galaxies, and I'm like, you know, I just sat there in awe of that. I, I said to Ken, I was like, you got to look at this. Look at those little, those are galaxies. And God did all that. So when I look in that word, and he says, my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. I'm like, I get a little glimpse of that when I see that out there. And I'm like, man, God, you are so amazing. So far above my ways and thoughts. You are incredible. But he doesn't stop there. Right here in Isaiah 55, this is what he says. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here's the thing. God tells us right here in his word, hey, the best y'all can do isn't good enough, nor can you comprehend the vastness of who I am. I am so far beyond you as God. Just know who I am. Yeah, so we just sit in awe of him. That's who we were celebrating a little while ago in worship. What a great time. Just celebrating who he is, praising him for what he's done in our life, and we're looking at it, right? So let's go. As we understand this then, as soon as people find out I'm a pastor, 
I won't say as soon as, well, a lot of people do this. <laughs> uh, I'll just say that people that are not Christians and they find out I'm a pastor, right away they want to ask me questions like I'm God's answer man. I'm here for you. You know, and I just want you to know that I'm learning with you and I don't know everything. I know him in my relationship with him, but I am still learning who God is in the fullness of himself. He's amazing. But people do think I'm his answer man and God doesn't need an answer man. He doesn't need anybody. He is who he is. But the thing is, is a lot of people are frustrated with God. And I have heard it, and you probably have had somebody say this to you as well if you have unbelieving friends or something, and they've asked this question. If God is who the Bible says he is and who he proclaims to be, why does he allow these horrible things to happen in this world? You know, it's like, why? If God is all-powerful, supreme, loving God, then why is it that children are born with cancer? Why is it that innocent children are molested? Why is it that there is all the evil that happens in this world? It's like, where's God? So people are like angry at God, and most atheists are just angry at God. They want to know why he's not interacting and doing something about what's wrong here on the planet. And so I hear the question is, if, how could a loving God allow this to happen? How could a loving God send anyone to hell? I've heard a lot of that one because everybody wants a free pass into heaven. Where was God when I was molested? Where was he when I was abused? Those questions are real that people have. Why do innocent people suffer Why, while wicked people live in luxury? That's going on in this world right now. So... As we consider those questions, which none of those are bad questions, they're real, and they're in our flesh, and we cry out within our flesh for answers to things that we don't understand. So first, we must understand that all humanity's been given free will. And, and church, there's a lot of people, even in the church, that don't want to acknowledge that we have free will. One of the reasons we don't want to acknowledge that we have free will is because if God's dictated everything and planned it out, then I'm not accountable for my life. My choices are my actions, nor am I responsible for you or anything else because God's already got it all mapped out for us. And that's not real. It's not biblical. And we'll look at this. God has established all of humanity with a free will. Now, we don't want to believe that in some respects, but we have to. And the Bible teaches it from the very beginning. All you have to do is go back to the creation account in Genesis, and when we look in Genesis chapter 2, um, we see the first statement of free will that God has made, and he made it in creation. Okay, it's very obvious and evident what is here. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So right here in the creation account, we have this very obvious, evident fact. God says to Adam, all this is yours. Don't touch that one thing. So freely go ahead and eat, but don't. So God didn't fill the garden with wrong trees he had one God made it easy to make the right choice because God's a God of love not a God of punishment 
He wasn't trying to trick us, but he has to give us a choice to serve him. Otherwise, there's no love in the relationship. And so as we look in the scriptures and he tells us this, he's like, you can eat anything. Just don't do this. One thing, church. Just one thing. Now look, here's the deal. As Adam and Eve decided to go against what they knew God said, don't miss that. They went against what they knew God said and decided they would do what they wanted to do anyway. Free will. Their free choice was, yep, God said this, but I'm going to do that. So in this temptation that they faced, they had a decision to make, and their actuaries, their actions were contrary to what God said to them. And so they walked in direct disobedience, and they did this knowing what God had said, and that God had said, there will be consequences if you so choose to do this. Now, they had no comprehension of the consequences. They only knew there would be. I, I, I want to say this to all of us here. We have no comprehension of the consequences of eternity. If we did, we would be completely sold out in every aspect of our life, and we would be dragging people to Jesus. See, they had no clue. It was just a word to them. Don't, or you will die. Death was this foreign thing to them. If you do this, you're going to die. Free will. Here it is. They make a decision. They're going to do what they want. So what free will did is it brought sin into the world. And because sin came into the world, death came into the world. And not only that, but we lost our authority that God had given here. Without the tree, there's no choice. So we say like, a lot of people say, well, then God created evil. No, he didn't. He created love. And love demands a choice. And love is yes, and sin is no. God said yes to us. We said no to him. It's that simple. It's really that simple. So the tree is the opportunity to have a relationship with God based in love or a relationship with God mandated by a dictator. And God is love. Remember, he doesn't just love. He is love. Therefore, who God is demands relationship based on choice. Just, I hope that all sinks in so that we start to begin to get the understanding of who God is in our life and what he desires for us. So God gave boundaries to the relationship. Now, there are boundaries in every relationship that we have in life. There are boundaries in our relationship as citizens of the United States. There's boundaries that we have as citizens of Tucson, Arizona. There's boundaries that we have as members of this church. There's boundaries that we have if we're married. There's boundaries that we have as a family. So every relationship has boundaries. And God established boundaries for the relationship that he invited us into. And so when God said, don't eat from this tree, in my flesh, I say, why in the world didn't you put up a barbed wire fence around that thing? <laughs> why in the world would you even walk near that tree? We're crazy, man. You know, like seriously, even us, I'm talking about everybody listening right now, all of us who have the full knowledge of all of this, 
will still walk over willingly and look at the tree. Anyway, let's move on. So what happened was Adam and Eve, human beings, said, you know, we're going to do it our way, thanks. Know what you're saying. Heard what you said. Still going to do it our way. And in that choice came about evil, pain, difficulties, struggles, everything that we face that is not good in life, all were birthed through us doing it our way instead of God's way. If you go into Genesis chapter 3, which we're not looking there right now, but you can, God pronounces the judgment and the curse of sin on the world. Eve, you and all the ladies after you are going to have tremendous pain in childbirth. It has some issues that happen as a direct result of your disobedience to me. Adam, because you listened to your wife and you didn't listen to me, you're going to have to go out there and and the earth's not just going to give you the fruit. You're going to have to work for it, man. And he said, while you're working, there's going to be thorns and thistles. Remember the choya plants I talked about last week? (laughs) God's like, you just birthed choya. (laughs) It's what's happening, man. All the things that will stick, scratch, and poke you in life. He's like, that's a result of your sin. There's a constant reminder that God said, look, the consequences of your choice are everywhere. It's not just affecting you, but you have brought this upon all humanity, and it's there. So now as you and I sit here today and we're like, well, thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. Well, the word of God also says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us in this room have known that God said don't, and we did it anyway. So as much as we want to line up and give them a kick in the butt when we get to heaven, we're the ones that deserve the kick because all of us have made that same stupid choice that they made to do it our way instead of God's even when we knew. But see, what happens here when sin is born into the earth is that evil comes and brokenness happens and bad stuff is unleashed in droves. As we go into Genesis chapter 4, we find the very first murder that takes place on the planet. As we do, there's some things that we're going to learn from this that God reveals to us about our relationship with Him, the consequences of sin, and how sin impacts everyone on the planet. As we read the scriptures in Genesis 4, chapter 2, it says this, when they grew up, it's speaking of Cain and Abel, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. So you have a shepherd and a gardener. Here's the two boys doing their thing. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Pause. We're like, wait a minute, is God showing favorites here? Nope. Listen to what the word of God just told us. It says this. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel presented the firstborn lambs the best of his portions. We see right now a glimpse into the heart. One was doing what he thought he had to do. One was doing what he wanted to do. One was honoring God. One was going through the motions. Just doing it. It's right there. It tells us plainly right here. Now listen. God 
it's when we just pause and read exactly what God's word says, it reveals things to us. Listen to it. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. You ever been angry at God? Look, Cain's ticked off at God. He's mad at God. Because God calls him out. So here it is. He did not accept Cain and his gift, and this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master. Oh, wow. You want to talk about something right in our face, people? This is God speaking. He's calling Cain out. He's making clear direction from God to Cain about his choice. God tells him, you have a choice in this, Cain. You can just do what I tell you to do, or you can keep doing your own thing. But I'm warning you, if you don't do what I say, there's something so big and scarier waiting for you that you don't have a clue. Sin is crouching at the door, man. Church, if we could just get that in our mind and our hearts, remember how Peter said, the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is like a precursor to that message to the church right here. God says to Cain, look, I will accept you. If you do what is right, you see the free choice? This is a choice that he has to make. I'm either going to do it God's way or I'm going to keep doing it my way. The crazy thing is he was doing his thing, his way, to worship God. (laughs) It is amazing how crazy we can think in our heads. We find this right here. God told Cain, I will accept you if you do it right. Therefore, the boundaries were established and Cain knew the boundaries. He knew exactly what was happening. Now then, God's warning is, you have an opportunity right now. Cain, you screwed up. You didn't offer the right thing in the right way. You have this chance to do it right. If you don't do it right, all hell's breaking loose. That's my translation of what God just said to him because it was. Because we have the ability to look back. Cain makes his own decision to ignore what God directly spoke to him and do what he wanted anyway. Another case to prove that there is free will. God gave him the choice. We read in Genesis 4, verses 8 through 12. Listen. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out in the fields. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? Just pause here for a minute. Do you remember the account in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and they went and they sewed fig leaves together because they saw they were naked? And when the Lord came into the garden, they ran and hid and God said, where are you? See, God doesn't, he knew where they were. He knew what happened. But he was calling them out. Why? Because God wants us to own our choices, our decisions, and to come to him. So here's God again, giving Cain 
even another opportunity after he willingly ignored God's call, invitation, and willingness to accept him. Here he is. Where's your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Am I his keeper? Am I the one that's supposed to watch out for him? It's crazy how we get an attitude and we deny God and we like make up excuses, isn't it? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. There's nothing hidden. Church, God knows everything. So as we view this story, and we're not done reading the scriptures, listen. God was present, but God did not step in and intervene. And there is a reason that we will find in scriptures and scripture why we are given this free will decision and how it can impact other people. But let's continue reading right now. Now God pronounces a judgment on Cain. You are cursed and banished from the ground, which was, has swallowed up your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Remember, he was a gardener? That's who he was. God said, no longer. You're done. See, there's consequences to sin. There's real impact even in this life for disobedience to God, for stepping against what God says to us very clearly in his word. The first act of, of sin being murder here in the scriptures tells us something. This murder again took place over the worship of God. And how many wars in the world are over the worship of God? A vast majority of them have their root in spiritual things. And as we look at this, the very first murder takes place over the worship of God and here it, the disobedient killed the righteous obedient. The disobedient killed the righteous obedient. God, why did you let Abel die who pleased you? And Cain, who is wicked and evil, killed him. And you knew. Okay. Here's the thing, church. As we look into the scripture, God gives us again in the creation account why these things happen and who's responsible. When we look in Genesis chapter 1, and we go here and we see how God had established us, humans, as the governing authorities on this planet. We are in power and control of what happens here. God said so. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Plural. We see right here in the creation account, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work together in the creation. Jesus did not begin at Bethlehem he is God and he was God in the very beginning with God. Let us make human beings in our image. That is the original Hebrew text is plural. Even though the Hebrews don't even understand that themselves, it's in their own language and it's plural. 
Anyway, we don't want to dwell on that. Let's just move on. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. That's Genesis 1.26, jumping down to verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. See that? God's like, I am giving you authority and power over this planet. You're it. Now, God's still God. He didn't say, you're over me. He said, I created this for you. Now you have the authority of this planet to govern it. Reign over the fish, the sea, the birds, the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God tells them, you have this place, and I have established you in this position of authority on this planet. So God gave us the, if I, I want to use this word carefully, but the sovereignty to rule here. So as God gave us this position on the earth, that's why you and I can say no to him. He's like, I'm giving you a free will. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing you to have this dominion to reign here and to have this relationship with me. But I'm telling you, don't do what I say not to do and do what I say so that we have this relationship and humanity said no. And when we said no to God, we sinned and we signed over the authority of the earth to the enemy, Satan himself. Yep. So he took the governing authority of place on this planet, which is why in the New Testament and other places we see him called the prince of this world. Yep. Not the king. God is the king. He's the prince. We gave him authority. There is power in the darkness that exists on this planet and we gave that power to him. Not God, we. And therefore now since we gave that authority over, evil is prevalent everywhere and bad things happen. And it happens to good people. It happens to Christian people and everything else because the consequences of sin are great and God warned us of that. And therefore, we have made the choice that has allowed evil to be present and to affect the lives of everyone. Which is also why this amazing God said, I'm going to come to you and restore the relationship that I created you for. You are incapable of it. As a matter of fact, you have been banished from it. Remember when he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden? He placed an angel with a sword there at the gate and said, yep, you're not coming back. Sin has created a barrier to that relationship that was once a normal part of life. And God said, here will come. And that's why Jesus came and gave his life for you and I to pay the price for sin, for death, so that he could open the door, so to speak, to the relationship, not just so to speak, so he could open the door to the relationship that was once normal for us to have with God. And that relationship is based in love for who God is and a choice that we make. Therefore, Jesus Christ is now the choice that we need to make to enter into that relationship with God and the choice that we need to follow him in. 
Now, church, as we look in the word of God, we see some things here. What God said is that he would unseat the devil from the throne of our lives. Now, he may rule in this world temporarily, but he does not have to rule in the heart of you and I. Jesus Christ has made a way for us to unseat his authority and give us back the authority that we have in relationship with God by staying away from the tree, sin. But you and I have to make that choice. It still exists. <laughs> Let's look at the Bible verses that everyone knew as kids and probably the King James English is how most of you learned it. But we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. So when it sounds a little bit different, I'm glad because that will make you listen. You ready? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Now look, this is what God said, so that everyone who believes in him will have it. You see how God has opened the door, the free will of your choice and mine to enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Here it is. Now, there's only one way. There was only one tree for sin. There's only one true Savior for salvation. And it's Jesus Christ. And the word of God is clear. Let's keep reading. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Amen. Another time for you to... Thank you, Jesus. All right, anyway. <laughs> We're going on to verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Choice, free will, it's our choice. The whole planet. The people that say God would never throw, a loving God would never throw anyone in hell. And he was like, no, he won't. He won't. He's made a way for you not to go there. If you go to hell, it's your choice. Judgment has already been executed. If you don't accept Christ, you've chosen to go to hell, not God. Therefore, God's not like, you're out. We're going out because we've made that choice. But we're not done reading. Most of us learn John 3, 16, 17, and 18 together. Some of us, most of us. But guess what? There's a 19th verse too. So let's read what verse 19 says because it's pretty awesome. Remember what he just talked about, the judgment? There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged or not for not believing in God's one and only son, and the judgment is based on this fact. This is verse 19. Isn't that awesome? God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Oh, yeah. Isn't that awesome? There you go. God, like, wrapped it all up for us. He says, this is the facts, man. You're going to choose to walk my way and come to the truth, or you're not. It's free will. You can't deny it. God's like, if you come near to me, that light of Jesus Christ is going to be so bright, it will expose everything, and you'll willingly stand there in submission to God and stand for who he is and make the right choices to serve him. Or you'll run back into the darkness of your own ways 
and stay away from the truth of who God is. <laughs> it's our choice. God's will is for every human being to come to Jesus Christ and be saved. God has made the offer. It's our responsibility, all of us who truly know him, to let everyone else know there is only one Savior, it's Jesus Christ. There's only one way, it's God's way. It's not our way, it's not the planet's way, it's God's way. And we need to make that truth known. God's made the offer, but it is up to us to choose to do the things that God has called us to do in his way. Obedience, church, to God's ways, God's truth, and what he calls us to. He does not force us, but he simply offers it. The awesome thing about it is God says, if you'll come to me and enter into relationship, I will deposit my spirit in you, and then you'll be able to live the way I ask you to live. You can't do it on your own. He already knows that. So I will deposit the Holy Spirit right inside of you. And then all you're going to have to do is learn to listen and follow the Holy Spirit, and then you will live for Him. Yeah. I think it's awesome how God does this, right? So not only do we see the free will that God gives the people, we also know that God absolutely gave the angels free will as well. Because we have to understand that this is who God is. God is love. God has a desire for relationship based on love, which is choice. It's not a feeling, not an emotion. It's a choice. That's what love is. Okay. Now listen to what the Word of God says in the book of Jude. Verse, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Before I read any further, listen, church, it is so clear right here in God's Word that God says that there are evil worms that are coming to the church and saying, oh, you can just live however you want to. You can live in your sin. You can live immoral lives. No, God's word says no. And God has said, look, all you got to look is look in history and look in my word. And there is evidence that God says no. Don't listen to those lying preachers, teachers, and prophets that tell you you can make your own choices and live your own way and God still loves you. God loves you enough to call you out of your sin and to give you a new life not to keep living in the old one. So I want to remind you, I'm going back to the scriptures, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Let that sink in. Yeah. Did you notice that it says that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt? God, Jesus Christ, present, Active and working throughout the history of humanity, the creation of the world. He is God. And the Word of God declares that truth for us if we just open up our ears, our mind, and our hearts to understand what God says to us. 
So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Choice. Choosing to do things God's way rather than my own way. Keep reading. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they, what? Belonged. They made a choice to leave the place that God had given to them in establishing their relationship with Him. The very place they were created to exist in. The angels themselves left that place. See, we see in God's Word that God Himself has established free will in every aspect of who He is. Even in the the angels of heaven. So we continue reading. Within the limits of authority God gave them, but they left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness waiting for the great day of judgment. Wow. That's pretty scary stuff right there. God's serious. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Church, like, God doesn't mess around. And he is giving us this little tiny glimpse. Remember when he spoke to Adam and Eve, and he's like, you know, if you eat, you're going to die. And they're like, well, you know, as God, the, the enemy's like, well, did he really say that? Well, you know, maybe not. Let's just, like, find out. No idea what they were doing. Here we have it in the word of God, and it's like, here's God giving us this little glimpse again, saying, like, look, I, I'm letting you know. God's saying this to us. I don't mess around. I've taken those angels who decided they weren't going to do my will, and I've chained them in darkness. And the day is coming, and I'm going to unleash my wrath on them. And it's like, whoa. (laughs) Man, I, I look at this, I'm like, God, help us, man. This isn't a game. The sexual perversions that are out there, that's not your choice. It's not okay. God has called us to a holy life. And he's like, look, I've already given this warning. I rain fire from heaven down in these cities because of their perversion. This is who I am. I'm a righteous and holy God, and I have called you to live a holy and righteous life. We need to repent. (laughs) So, have you? You accepted the free choice that God has given to you to enter into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Because you see God has called everyone to do it, but it's up to us to respond to him. He is calling you, you and me into this relationship with him to begin to understand who he is in new and amazing ways because he is the God of the Bible. He is the creator of all things. He is God alone. And his word is truth. And he is the authority. Therefore, we have to step into this relationship through Jesus Christ and submit ourselves to him. We are given a free will to choose to continue in that relationship or not. See, temptation is out there calling. You all know that, right? (laughs) Sin is crouching at the door. The enemy is waiting to pounce, waiting for us to make one wrong decision, to step out of the boundaries of God, to step into the shadows, waiting to destroy us. 
This amazing, merciful God is a God of forgiveness and restoration. I am so grateful for God's mercy that he calls us into this relationship with him. And if we've screwed it up, even like Cain, God still says, you can still do it right. You have this opportunity right now. Man, if you're listening to me online or right here in this room, you have this opportunity right now. This one. And God is speaking. And if we don't take advantage of it, I want you to know, sin is crouching at the door. You have no idea what's coming your way. God has called us by his mercy and grace and love to enter into this moment and get things right. If you are not right with God, you know you're not. The Holy Spirit's faithful and he's called us into this time. And therefore, as you sit before the creator of the universe right now, you and he know nothing's hidden. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what the people next to you think. God knows and you know. And this is your moment of truth. Man, God has given us this incredible opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Stand with me. The invitation from God is to step in. (laughs) And with every head up and every eye open, man, that God is calling. And it's so amazing that the creator of the universe is calling out to us and saying, come to me. I want a relationship with you. Isn't he amazing? He's so awesome. He loves you. We need to run to him. Things aren't right in our life. Why in the world would we walk out that way when God himself says, I can make it right? Yeah, bad things have happened. Bad things will happen. God is good, and he loves us, and he's invited us into this relationship so that we can experience his love and have the kingdom in front of us with him. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thanks for the opportunity to be here today. You know every heart. You know us. We are transparent before you. There's nothing hidden. You know. Thank you for the questions that you call out to us. What about? Where are you? (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness in convicting us of sin in our lives and calling us into this relationship with you. You are faithful, God. We love you and thank you for Jesus. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here today. You're dismissed. God bless you. Altar's always open. Please know that. He loves you.